Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's begin with prayer. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to speak your word. I pray that you'd speak through Susan and I. Helps to share the truths that you've given us from your word and by your Holy Spirit. Dear Spirit, we ask that you convict of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, and that you'd help us to be quick to obey everything that, that you've taught us. And we ask that you just bless this time, bless our nation, bless our country through this time, Father, that we would love one another better that we would tolerate each other, and that we would share truth and become the people of God that you want us to be as a nation. And we pray that you would do that. We ask that you be with Pastor Jeremy and that you just help him have a great day off and that you just bless him and his family. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Uh, this, my name is Mark Barnhill. This is my beautiful wife, Susan. Uh, I'm the care pastor here at Woodridge. Been here quite a while. And uh, we are just uh, wanting to share a little about love today. Not quite your typical Fourth of July sermon, but I uh, uh, want to share about love, what that is. So we kind of got a group participation. Might need some help here. Uh, we're, think about the love songs that you hear on the radio Songs that have love in the title. Give me some of the names of those songs. Come on. All you need, All is, you love. need is love. What did y'all say? Love yourself. Love yourself. That's a song. Love is what? Okay. I didn't. Love, love story. story. That Taylor Twilight. Swift. Uh, yeah. 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 Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, I haven't heard the best love song ever written. Muskrat Love was a great song about love because nothing says love like a muskrat. Yeah, yeah, there was no Love Me Tender either. We got no, Elvis movie got Elvis out, Elvis right? Movie out. Where love are you people? Me tender, love me tender. No, let's stop. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're good. No songs good. today. Okay. You know, and then everybody enjoys a good love story, right? I mean, we got Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Snow White, and then we got the movies like You've Got Mail, The Holiday. You can tell what my favorites are. Um, did you know that... You didn't mention is, my favorite. Oh, Princess, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. So, yeah. it's a great one. Yeah. You know that this is Farm Boy, right? Y'all know that. It's your buttercup, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you know that 73% of the households in the United States have the Hallmark Channel? Oh my gosh, y'all realize it's the same movie, just a different dog, right? I mean, they just use a different animal in every movie, but it's the same movie. But you know, we, we love it. And in fact, even our big blockbuster superheroes have love interests, right? Got Lois and Clark, MJ and Spider-Man, Catwoman and Batman, unless it's a different movie and then he has a different girlfriend, um, and Princess Leia. 
And Hans, after she found out Luke was her brother, you know, kind of <laughs> weird there for a little while. Yeah. And then, of course, Buttercup and Wesley, the farm boy. Yes. So these are all, you know, love stories. We love love stories. And, but, but we kind of throw the word love around a lot. You know, it's, it's in our conversations. Uh, you know, we just say things like, I love the Texas Longhorns. You got any fans here? There you go. Yeah, oh, golly, Jeremy's not here, and I was figuring <laughs> I could slip that y'all in. Y'all are, it, you know, no love judgment, but God's going to judge you for that. Love the, I love coffee. Yeah, you do love coffee. I mean, love your hair, love your outfit, love the Rangers. That's the team you need to love. Houston Astros. We That's love city the team. Astros. That's a city team. I go for the state team. Anyway. Yeah. We, we say these loves, uh, we talk about those things we love. No wonder our society is just messed up about what love is. You know, where does it come from? How do I fall in love? How do I fall out of love? How do I grow deeper in my love? You know, how does it start? Where does it come from? All this, we throw love around so much, you know. How do I even get it? How do I receive it? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, as Foreigner foreigner says, I want to know what love is. want you to show me. You said I couldn't sing. I know, but you're not that good. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so, you know, there's those signs that you see that people have when you walk into their house. And they say things like, our love story is my favorite. Or our love story is the best. Mm, They don't hold a candle to ours. (laughs) We have a great love story, and in talking about love and what we've learned about love, this is why we're so passionate about it. You know, when I was 16, my brother-in-law set me up on a blind date with a, a guy named Larry, and we hit it off right away, never dated anybody else. We decided um, we wanted to get married. My dad said you had to graduate from college before you get married. I don't know that that's a rule in Texas or something, but that's fine. I went to two colleges, graduated in two and a half years, and said now I'm getting married um, because my degree should have said marriage on it rather than anything else. But So we were planning to get married, and four months and one day before our wedding date, um, Larry fell out in briefing. He was a police officer with a grand mal seizure. So went through the testing and stuff, and they said, yeah, it looks like he has a benign brain tumor. So didn't change our plans, of course. We went through the wedding. A year after we'd been married, um, something changed, and they found that the, the tumor was growing, and he was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a malignant brain tumor. So we had surgery, and or he had surgery, radiation, chemotherapy. It didn't stop it. And so on the eight-month birthday of our child, Addison, Larry died. I met my first love at Houston Baptist University. Her name was Rebecca, or Becca is what we called her. We had classes together, and we dated all through college, and, you know, as soon as we got out of college, we had the wedding and and, uh, the June wedding, and then we went off to, to seminary to preacher school in Fort Worth, and there one night, she woke up. She woke me up having a seizure in the middle of the night. And I took her to the hospital. And uh, we found out that uh, she was epileptic. That's what the doctor said. And uh, so we, 
uh, started treating her for epilepsy. And uh, after about a year and a half of her just couldn't get that under control and headaches, we said, we need a CAT scan. So we went to the doctors who demanded a CAT scan. And sure enough, she had a brain tumor. So being from Houston, we came to Houston to Methodist Hospital. And we had the tumor removed. It was a malignant tumor. And uh, we did the radiation and the chemo. And then we went back to uh, Fort Worth, finished seminary. And uh, there I graduated from seminary, go to a church in South Dallas. I'm a youth minister in Duncanville, Texas. And there the tumor grew back. This time it was inoperable. And so again, being from Houston, we come to MD Anderson, right? We come here and we uh, start taking interferon. And uh, during that time, she slipped into a coma. It was about October of, of 87. And uh, so we had to uh, decide what, what to do with her. How are we going to take care of her while she's in this coma? And we decided to put her in uh, around-the-clock nursing care in her parents' home in Sugarland. So that's how we took care of her. So about a year after Larry had died, my mom had a friend that told her about a friend of a friend kind of thing and said, there is a youth minister in the area whose wife is dying of a brain tumor. And I think it would be great if you went and talked to him. And I'm like, okay, I don't know this guy. I don't know where he is. Found out where he was. So I walk into finally get contact with him, go into a, his office and, um, it was Mark. She starts telling me about grief. She gives me a little book called Good Grief. We give that out a lot around here. And uh, this was March the 15th. Uh, and, you know, Beck was still alive. I was running back and forth from Sugarland to, to Dallas and uh, doing some youth ministry for a week. And then I come down here and stay with her for a week. And then we were, I was kind of doing this back and forth. And so Susan comes in and talks to me on March the 15th, but Becca dies on April the 4th a few weeks later. So, uh, Susan and I had experienced real love with our first spouses and with our families uh, surrounding us, our friends came out of the woodwork to take care of us. Churches, there was a defunct Church of Christ in Sugarland, Texas that gave me $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> my church took care of me, her church took care of her. You know, they took care of us, and God took care of us. We learned how God loves you through tough times. Mm -hmm. But we also learn in general how God loves. And, and so several years later, as we've been teaching our premarital classes here at Woodridge, uh, we came up with this definition from the parrots, Les and Leslie Parrot. Uh, called the triangular definition of love. And yeah. we want to kind of share that with you today. It's not the love triangle, you know, like you're thinking, like the movies Pearl Harbor, which was nothing about Pearl Harbor, really. It was all about that love triangle, right? Or Sabrina or, or you know, the love triangle between me and Mark and Sean Connery that finally ended when he died. You know, those kind of things. This is not the kind of love triangle we're talking about. We're talking about a definition of love. So uh, this definition of love, this love uh, triangular definition of love starts with passion. It's uh, the passion side of love. It's the feeling side of love. It's that feeling that comes over you and your heart beats a little faster, right? It's that, uh, the hot side of love. It's literally in your guts. It's inside of you. It, it's 
probably what attracts us to our mates the first time. It's that passion side. It's a good spring into love, but it's not a great regulator of keeping love, that passion side of love. It's also this love that a mama has. You know, as, as a dad, I begin to see a love for a child develop in her while she's carrying our child. She, it, I haven't experienced this yet to see this baby. She's already fallen in love with it. When, when that baby comes out, you, you see those moms, aren't they so cute? You know, that shriveled little thing, you know. <laughs> They're just so cute. And they just look at them. At, at, the mamas have that kind of love for their child. It's a, it's a passion, that kind of love. Then there's another kind of love. Yeah, and, you know, where passion is kind of the wow side of love, then we have intimacy, which is kind of the <sighs> side of love. It's that love that, you know, you, you know somebody really well. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be a friend. It can be, um, you know, a family member. But it's that kind of, kind of love where you know each other so well that you know what each other's thinking. I mean, how many of you have little signs that you give your spouse or your kids or your friends, and they know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I can be in a, a big room like this. I can find Mark, and I can look at him, and he knows, she's done. We're leaving, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, we're done. We're going. And he just knows that about me. It's also that, that experience that you have with friends where, we, we, we just spent last weekend with some friends that have been our friends for 32 years, but we hadn't seen them in like 12 years. And so we went to visit in Dustin, and so we get there. And I'm telling you, when they walked in the house, it was like we'd never left. And we had that experience of we didn't have to talk about who we are and what we believe and all this kind of stuff. We know each other. And we just picked up right where we left off. I have a lot of friends like that. It's that intimate, intimate side. And it comes from, you know, conversation and history and all those things, that time that you spend. Then there's the commitment side of love. Yeah. Commitment side of love is, is that I would say, I'm here. What do I need to do? It's that kind of love. I think about the Ephesians 6 passage where you put on the whole armor. And what's cool about it is the people behind you that are praying for you and covering your back. It's that commitment. I am not going to leave you. We have that in marriage, a covenant relationship where it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm committed and I'm staying right here. We can have that with family. We can have that with friends. It is... A, you know, I hate to say the cold part, but if you say, okay, passion is hot and intimacy is warm like a cozy blanket, commitment is hard, cold facts. I am here, I'm ready to do whatever you need me to do, and I'm not leaving. Okay, so nothing you do is going to make me go away. That's commitment side of love. The thing about these triangle definitions, this passion, this intimacy, this commitment, Love, though, is really fluid. It flows from one feeling and one fact to, to each other. It, it's fluid. They flow back and forth. Uh, you know, the, the getting to the know the knowledge of them. To say, yeah, they're beside me. We're having fun together. It turns into a feeling, right? And then the, uh, the action, when, when, when I love you or when you love me, 
that turns into that commitment that says they're going to be there for me. That it flows back and forth. Yeah, you know, the, these, the way we love our mates, you know, the, 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 the friendship turns into the feeling and then to the death do us part. The way we love our kids, when we spend time with our kids, uh, Susan, she, she, uh, when, when our kid was in college, he liked NASCAR. Yes. So she got into NASCAR. Uh, we went to a NASCAR uh, they could talk race. NASCAR. Yeah. She'd call it. He'd call her right after the race on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Hey, did you see? Did you see Jamie? Did you see that? You know, they were all talking NASCAR. He calls me. Hey, Dad, I went fishing. Mm-hmm. This is what I caught. You know, we we have that intimacy, that commitment, and, and so the feelings come out of that, out of that intimacy. It springs into that, and then that commitment that that goes. That's the way we love our friends. When when we spend time to each other. We get to know each other. We, we start to work together. And, and then we start fi- having good feelings for them. Oh, man, it's so good to see them again. You, you love that person. And if they need something or something happens to them or their family or their house gets flooded, we're there, right? That commitment flows into that. That feeling and that friendship flows into that. That's the way we love. The, our country, you think about it, our country, we're celebrating the 4th of July. Those founding fathers, mm. they hammered out the Constitution. They wrote the notes. They created this intimate knowledge of how this was going to work. And then they fought for it. They died for it. They died for each other. They wrote their names on the line there. They signed their death sentences, traitors, when they signed the Declaration of Independence. They did that. And that feeling for that country that is very strong. And, and so that's the way we love. That's how love flows from one thing to another. And, and that's how we can even love our neighbors. And, and getting to know our neighbors. We had to be really intentional now with COVID. You know, we all had to do social distancing. We, we hide in our houses. We don't want to get near anybody. You got to sit out and talk to folks. Probably why everybody's fighting so much. There's the intimacy is not happening anymore. And we have to focus on that. We have to get to know each other. We have to love each other through that. And then the commitment and the feelings will come. So love is very fluid. And you know, that's the way we love God. We love God the same way. This same definition works with that. We love him with passion. We thank God for the things he's done for us, our salvation, our forgiveness, answered prayer. And, and we may even say it when we sing it in a song. I love you, Lord. We're doing it. And the feelings come. We love him with passion. Mm-hmm. And we love him with intimacy. You know, he... He, we can love him and know him. He is very transparent. We have his word. We have the words of God written out. We studied them in Sunday school this morning, right? And so he's very transparent. You know, we talk about the mystery of God and stuff. The mystery is this finite mind trying to figure out an infinite God. That's the mystery. But he's never hidden it from us. He's very intimate with us. And so we can be intimate with him. And I think about how... The times that I've had passages 
as I'm reading and they speak to me in a different way that they've never spoke to me before, that's the intimacy of God. You know, that's having intimate conversation with him. I think about when Abraham was, was um, he had the three visitors that came and visited with him. Man, that's intimate. That was like God talking to him, having that intimate conversation with him. And so through our prayers and through reading his word, we can get to know him. And he says that he will be our friend so we can have that intimate knowledge of him. It's not something that can't be grasped. And the thing about it is, even those times when I know I've messed up, when I go and and want to spend intimate time with him, it's just like a you know, a breath, just relax, just enjoy that time with him. Even going out into creation is a way to be intimate with God. You can go out and spend time in his creation and enjoy it. He's made it for you. And so you can go and have that intimate conversations, those intimate conversations with him where he speaks to you. You know, we may not have that burning bush experience that Moses had where it was very obvious that that was God. But how many times does he talk to you in your thoughts? And you're like, oh, yeah, he's talking to me and I can be intimate with him and I can talk to him, too, and get to know him. And sometimes we even can have inside jokes, you know, God has a sense of humor, too. Yeah. Uh, You were talking about the God winks the other day. Yeah. And that's kind of how he loves us. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, I got ahead. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Anyway, then he loves us with commitment. We love him with commitment. We love him with a cold heart fact. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do these things to love you. Obedience is the big thing. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's the way we love God. We're committed to him. Uh, We do it through service. You know, our time and our talents and our money are our most valuable resources. And when we give those to him and put him first ahead of ourselves, we're being committed to him. We're loving him with commitment. And, And when we love what he loves, God loves his kids. Think about it. When I've had two people walk up to me yesterday asking how my daughter was. My daughter's sick. And, and so they, they came up. They're concerned about my kids. When they're concerned about my kids, I feel love for them. God's the same way. Yeah. He, he loves us. And so when we love his children, his kids, when we love his bride, you say something bad about my bride, you got, you got some problems here. The church is Christ's bride. When you love the church, when you're committed to each other, when you forgive each other, you're showing this love, this commitment kind of love to God. And, and it's super important that, that you, even in tough times, Even when you're mad at him, even when things don't make sense, that you keep talking to him. You can ask him the tough questions. You can say, I don't understand this. I don't like this. But still, keep talking to him. Be committed to him and wait and trust through faith that he's going to do that. That's the way we love God, through passion, through commitment, 
through intimacy, getting to know him, talking to him, hearing from his word. So how do we love God back? How do we do that? Guess what? Same three things. How does God love us? Yeah. Yeah. How does, how does he love us? Uh, he loves us. Uh, the scripture says we love because he first loved us. We wouldn't even know what love is. Quote foreigner. Uh, foreigner. Yeah. Uh, it, because he loved us first. First John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. And, and uh, uh, 1 John 4, 7 through 8. I got it here on the screen, I think. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever love has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You think about it. We know that God is spirit. He's not physical. He doesn't have DNA. But if he did, it would be love. God is made up of love in some way or another. He is love. He started it. He knows it. He loves us this way. And we love him back that way. That's God. In fact, some people, uh, you know, have said that the reason God created mankind was he needed fellowship. Eh, I don't know if God needs anything. Others have said this, and I kind of lean this way, that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit loved each other so much in eternity. They said, we got to share this. We want to share love with somebody. And so they created mankind. I kind of like that definition that that God is love, and he knows loves, and he can do that. And so he loves us with passion, that first side of the triangle. Uh, or with compassion, the scripture says a lot, with passion is compassion. It's a, it's a feeling in his gut. In Matthew 23, uh, verse 37, Jesus is walking up to Jerusalem, and he's weeping for Jerusalem. They, he knows he, they're gonna, he's going to kill him. He says this in 23, 37 of Matthew. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. God is, this, uh, is described here as a mother hen who's protecting her chicks under her wings, wants to do that, wants to protect them and love them. And they were not willing. You hear the, the mother's love? You hear the compassion there, that the passion he has? Then in Mark chapter 8, Jesus has been teaching for three days. And this is right before he feeds the 5,000. And, and here's what it says. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus calls the disciples to him and says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. So, Jesus has this compassion, and he turns around and feeds 5,000 people, 5,000 men and their, and their families. We see that compassion. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we see that God does not want anyone to perish. 
He wants everyone to come to salvation. He didn't want to send anybody to hell. He has that love and that compassion for them. And then one of my favorite verses on, on the compassion of God is in Psalms uh, 103, 13. I think we got it here on the screen. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. You remember the picture here? Adam is created by God. He takes some dirt, <laughs> forms a man, and breathes his spirit in it. He says, they're just dirt. <laughs> if, if we had a Southern Women translation of the Bible, it said, bless their heart, they're just dirt. You know, I mean, that's the way God looks at us. It says, you know, they can't help it. They're just dirt. He has compassion. He has feeling for us. And then he has intimacy with us. And so like we want and crave intimacy with him, he craves it with us. He wants to spend time with you. The thing is, he already knows you because he knows our thoughts, right, before we even speak them. So he knows us. But he wants to have intimacy. In fact, look, he told his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his own life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. So we're not servants because we know what he knows. He's taught us what the Father taught him. How intimate is that? You know, when your grandmother shares that secret recipe that she won't give to anybody else, you have an intimate relationship with her. And that's special. And so God has that same type of thing. He shares the details of what he has planned for you what your future is, he shares those with you and is very intimate with you. Um, I love when God does something unexpected. And that's what Mark was referring to is God wink. I had a God wink the other day. And, I was, and it was funny because after it, when it happened, I was like, aw. And then I started thinking, because God puts thoughts in your head. And I'm like, that was from God. It's stupid, y'all, but it was so awesome. I went to Whataburger, like every other person in the world. And I got just the biscuit. Don't want anything else. Just the biscuit, sausage, egg, cheese. When the guy brought it to my car, he, he was standing there and he was talking to me about my Mustang, which I love my Mustang. I didn't say that, but I love my Mustang. He was talking to me about my Mustang and he said, you know, I know you didn't order a drink, but I brought you an orange juice. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I drove off and God was like, did you notice that, Susan? Did you notice? I'm thinking about you because I like orange juice. That guy didn't know that. And it was just a special moment when God winks at you. When those things line up and you're like, how in the world did those things line up that way? That's a God wink. When he goes, gotcha. I gotcha. I'm watching you. I know you. I know you very well. And I know what you love, and I know what you need, and I know what you want, too. And sometimes he gives us what we want because he has that intimate relationship with us. And I love the fact that 
I want to be like Abraham. I talked about him before, but when those three visitors came and he's visited by those visitors, which we understand is God incarnate somehow. Did you notice the story? Abraham sits there and listens until God leaves. The three visitors left him. He didn't walk away. God wants that intimate relationship and that intimacy. He has things to say to us. But sometimes I get busy and I'm like, I don't have that much time. I'm going to walk off. And I might miss out something on something that God wants to show me or tell me. So just be patient and spend that time with him. You don't know what you might learn by just spending time listening to him. I love it when, when scripture speaks to me because he speaks through his scripture. And going back to our love story, what I didn't tell you was on March 15th, yes, I met Mark. But right before that, I had stopped. I was coming from seminary to go into work. And I stopped in the park and just had some lunch. And I was reading my Bible. And I did what you should never do, which is just flip your Bible open and put your finger down. Because it could be the, you know, the Judas hung himself thing and then you're in trouble. Um, and so I flipped it open and it flipped open to Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, Lord, I've had this great time with you, very intimate time with you, and you know, God, you're enough for me. And so if I never meet anybody, and I never, you know, it's just me and Addison the rest of our lives, that's cool with me. I'm fine, because I got you. And then 30 minutes later, I met him. And I'm like, real funny, God. You know, didn't we just have this conversation a little while ago about how I'm okay with just you? But it was a God wink. He knew what I needed. He knew what Addison needed. He knew what Mark needed. And so it was one of those times when he, we were so intimate that we could laugh about the fact that he's taken me in another direction. So that's that intimate, intimate way that he loves us. Yeah, and he also loves us with commitment, of course. Uh, the scriptures, uh, Hebrews 13, 5 is a great one. It says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And that Romans 8, 39, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He knows us. He knows our good and our bad. And he loves us anyway. In fact, he showed this by, dying on, by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. He knew us. Before Jesus died for us. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. Romans 5.8. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though when we forsake him, he's not going to forsake us. He's committed to us. He forgives us ahead of time. And so... God loves us with commitment. He's going to stick with us. So what kind of lover are you? You know, if we go back to the triangle, there's three sides to the triangle. If you're only one-sided, you're a line, okay? If you're two-sided, you're just an angle. You need all three sides. And I think sometimes we need to do a check because in our marriage, in our family, in our friends, in our church, in our relationship with God, sometimes we get very one-sided. 
You know, it's all about, oh, I come to church and I worship God. I love the worship and I love to just think about all he's done for me and just love on God. But don't ask me to give a tithe. Don't ask me to go work with the kids in the gym. My, uh, that's not my thing. But I'm going to worship God, you know. Or sometimes it's just with our friends, we want to do the intimate thing, you know. We want to spend time with them, play games, hang out. But when times get tough and somebody needs something, like maybe they need, you know, they have health problems or they need money or whatever. Eh, eh, you know, so, I, eh. But let's play games, <laughs> you know. Or sometimes in a relationship, especially a man-woman relationship, we can focus on the passion, but we don't have any intimacy. And if you do that, if you only have one side of a triangle, like I said, you're a line. You fall down. So you've got to have all of it. And when Mark talked about the fluidity of love, so when you start waning in one area, like you're going, eh, I'm just, I don't know, I, I'm kind of tired of this person. I kind of want to you know, cut them off and let them go. Maybe start working on some intimacy with them. Have some conversations. Spend some time with them. Think about why you started being friends with them in the first place. Go back to those things, and then that commitment will get stronger. You know, Mark says it's easier to act your way into a feeling than to fill your way into an action, right? And so do something. And I have to do the same thing with my relationship with God sometimes. You know, I'm going, I'm committed. I'm in this thing for the long haul. But there's just some things I just don't, I just don't feel as passionate about God right now. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to stand up and worship God. I don't, I don't want to do this. And so I need to focus on that commitment. Why am I committed to him? And start spending time with him and the intimacy and the passion will come again. So think about that. You know, what kind of lover am I? Because we need to be a three-sided love. You can't just be one thing. can't even just be two things. It really is all of these things wrapped up. And when we do that, then we're able to give love. We were talking about in Sunday school today about how we are a vessel and our lives are for other people. And so what flows out of us is what goes in. And, you know, God pours love into us and we need to let that flow out. So we've also got to be people that give love, but we have to be people that receive love. Sometimes it's your time to receive. You know, there were times in my life when I... I really had deep needs. I mean, they were physical, real needs, and I wouldn't say anything to anybody. And yet, gee, somebody would show up at my house with exactly what I needed. I'm like, how did they know that? It's because God was saying, hey, it's your turn to receive, and I'm going to take care of you. And so you have to be able to receive that because if I had not received that, how would I let it flow out to somebody else? I'd be empty. And so we have to do that, and we have to do that with all kinds of love. If I don't allow Mark to fill me with the love he has for me, then it's not going to flow back to him. I'm not going to have this flow back and forth. So understand that love, not only is it three-sided, but it's two ways. 
And you have to flow back and forth. Sometimes you're the receiver and sometimes you're the giver. So you need to focus on that. It talks about we're supposed to be imitators of God. So what does God do? God loves. God's love. Yeah. And so we have got to be lovers. We have got to stop. You know, Jesus said, how are they going to know us? They will know you by your love. love. If we're not showing love to other people, and especially if we're not showing it to other Christians, how are they going to know him? And why would they want to know him? If we're always to each other, why would I want to be a part of that? I can get that somewhere else. You know, love's a great word. It's an important word. But there's one word that's more important, and that's relationship. If you don't have a relationship, you can't share love. And when you share love, relationship a lot of times starts. So, yeah, a lot of times you have to humble yourselves and seek out relationships. You have to say, I really do need love. I really do need people. And so you have to open yourself up with that relationship. And, uh, you know, that's what it is to have a relationship with God. And the way relationships start is with intimate conversations. We call that prayer. You can start a relationship with God today with intimate little prayer. Or maybe you've lost your first love and you need to restart or restore that relationship with God today. Again, an intimate conversation. Uh, it's as simple as ABC. First, A, to admit, hey, I've blown it. I messed up, God. Will you forgive me? I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. Admit that to God. That's an intimate conversation. And then believe. Say, I believe what you're saying in your word, in your truth, in what the preacher's saying. I believe that you sent your son, God, Jesus, to die on the cross for me, to pay for my sins, to take my spanking. I believe that. And I believe it that he was God's son because he rose again from, on the third day. That first Easter, we believe that. We believe this intimate things that he's taught us, these truths that he's taught us. And then A is admit, B is believe, and C is choose. Some people say confess. Choose to say, Jesus is Lord. I'm going to let him be my follower. I'm going to be him, let him be the boss of my life. I'm going to give him control of my life. I'm going to commit to him. ABC, as simple as that. That's how you can start a relationship. That's how you can restore a relationship with God. I've blown it. You're right. I should have done this. Help me to do this. Help me to forgive that person. Help me to forgive you, God, because you didn't answer this prayer the way I saw it. That's how we do that. It's, it's important to... Have that kind of conversation to God, with God and to receive Him. To not just be a talker about God, but to receive His forgiveness. To give back to Him your life. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.